0: Wiregrass Daily News Sports. This is your daily look at sports in the Wiregrass and the Southeast. Dothan Wolves on 96.9, the
1: legend producer Philip Jordan breaks the news, covers the games, and talks to experts in the Wiregrass and Southeast. And now, Philip
0: Jordan. What's up, everybody? Happy Monday to you. I am Philip Jordan, in studio host and producer of Nothing with Football on 96.9 The Legend. You're listening and watching Wiregrass Daily News Sports. We have a great show playing for you guys today. I say that every time, but they're always great. They're always great. They're always fun. We're talking sports, the stuff we like to talk about, we like to get around the water cooler and discuss with our friends, co workers, family, enemies, whoever. But uh, we have a fun show for today. Uh, I am going to be joined by Ashford head coach, David Stapleton. Ashford's coming off a 50-44 to 44 win on their homecoming game this Fast Friday night against Delville. So we'll talk with him. Good 16-minute phone conversation in that one. And then we'll jump into college football, what happened over the weekend. We'll do a little bit different what we've been doing the last couple of weeks. It won't just be me, another friend of mine that covers and writes about college football, Brandon Eiserman. Will be joining me. This will be a regular occurrence on the Monday show. Uh, we'll do some weekend observations. We'll talk about college football. We'll talk about Alabama, Troy, and Florida State. Auburn was off, but we'll also look around the SEC. And we'll also dive into the Braves losing three to nothing to the Phillies in game one of the NLDS. So, a lot, a lot of fun stuff to talk about here on the show. But before I play my interview with Coach David Stapleton, before I bring Brandon on, to recap college football and the Atlanta Braves. We need to do something that we always did on the Wiregrass High School Football Report. We must do this. We have to do this. Let's go around the Wiregrass. All right, we're going to start off in 7A Region 2. We're going to mix in some Thursday night games too as well, going over what happened all around the Wiregrass in high school football this past Friday. And we start off in 7A Region 2. Central defeated Dothan 48-14. to Of course, this is a game you would have heard on 96.9 The Legend. Central goes to 6-0. Best team in 7A right now, you ask me, without a doubt. Dothan falls to 5-2. Had Auburn loss earlier. Dothan scored first. I got a keavion Dury interception. Um, and then Tamron Peterson put it in. Tamarian Peterson, excuse me, put it in for the touchdown. But then Central went on 48 unanswered points. And the Peterson did score the two minutes left. But Dothan will have a big game against the next team I'm going to talk about, uh, Enterprise. Enterprise defeated Prattville 49-17 to go to 5-1 on the year. Multiple touchdowns in the game for running back Amari Griffin. Jumping into 5A Region 2, upset here, Rehoboth defeated Charles Henderson 30-27. Both teams are at 3-3 now. For Rehoboth, Terrell Townsend, 143 yards and three touchdowns. Rehoboth did have a 18-3 lead at halftime, so Charles Henderson did storm back in the second half but could not take the lead. For Charles Henderson, quarterback Parker Adams had 237 yards and two touchdowns, a classic in Ozark on Friday night between Eufaula and Carroll. Eufaula defeated Carroll 38-37 to get to 5-2 on the year. Carroll drops to 3-3. Three Carroll had a extra point blocked with 106. That would have tied the game, potentially with the overtime. Uh, Keyshawn Cole had connected with Quadarius Leitner. Uh, what they were thinking was the potential game time. Touchdown at then Enterprise quarterback, Browning Anderson, was 17 to 25, 369 yards, and four touchdowns. Halen defeated Greenville 36 to 12 to get to 5 and 1. Big rushing performance in this one. They had 234 yards. And on defense, Kendall Corbett had 10 tackles in the game. Now let's jump over into 4A Region 2. Dale County defeated Slocum 60-30 to 30 to go to 2-5. Slocum is 1-5. For Dale County, Tristan Smith had 315 yards and 7 touchdowns total, re- receiving and rushing for yardage and touchdowns there. And Andalusia defeated Geneva 40-13 to 13 to go to 7-0. On the year, Geneva is 2-5. 3A Region 2, Providence defeated Northside Methodist 19-10. Uh, for Providence, they are now 4-2, and, and Northside is now 2-4. Strong defeated Houston Academy 35-21. That is Houston Academy's first loss of the year. Uh, Lane Grantham had one passing touchdown and two rushing touchdowns for Strawn in that one. Not going to go into much detail. We're about to have Coach on, but Ashford, like I said off the top, defeated Delville 50-44 to 44 to go to 3-4 on the year. Delville is two and five, and Pike County defeated New Broughton thirty-five to twenty-one to go to three and three. New Broughton is one and five. The game was tied at halftime at fourteen. Uh, Pike County was out without ten players due to suspension because of the the fight that happened with Headland last week. Uh, for Pike County, Amari Burrow was seven of thirteen for one hundred fifty-eight yards, two touchdowns, and he had one rushing touchdown as well. In two A Region two, a Thursday final. Uh, GW Long defeated Zion Chapel 36-20. to 20. Uh, GW Long is 5-1. Zion Chapel is 3-4. This is the fifth straight win for GW Long. Bryson Hughes had 114 yards passing and 204 on the ground. Uh, Cottonwood defeated Ayrton 43-7. We had Coach Harrison on the show last week. Uh, to go to 5-0, Ayrton is 3-4. King Campbell had 270 yards rushing with two touchdowns. He also on defense had interception. And in the game, he had a 97-yard touchdown. Westburg defeated Geneva County 42. Let's see how, yes, 42 to 6. Sorry, I did not, I had to pay for people watching, and we'll we'll completely go behind the scenes here. I had the score up on the screen, but on my paper, I didn't have it. So, but Westburg defeated Geneva County 42 to 6. They go to three and three, and then I put Geneva County at over six. Mason Burkhart had three touchdowns. Two rushing, one passing for 110 yards, and he was 14 to 21 in the game. Samson defeated Abbeville 34 to 16 to get to one in five. Abbeville is one in six. Brody Mixon was 143 yards rushing on the ground, and he also had one receiving touchdown. He had 11 tackles, a forced fumble, and he picked up a fumble and ran it 56 yards. In 2A Region 3, Goshen defeated Barber County. 41-0 to go to 5-2. Barber County is 1-5. Jamari McClure, 205 yards and three touchdowns. In 1-8 Region 2, on Thursday night, Kentson defeated Pleasant Home 52-70 at the 2-4. And then Colby 2 had 220 yards rushing in the game and three touchdowns. On Friday night, Elwood defeated Red Level 56-14. Alvin Henderson had 191 yards on just four attempts and three touchdowns. It was 35-0 within the first eight minutes of the game. Lerala defeated Houston County 24-14 to get to 5-1. Houston County is 2-5. Georgiana shut out Brantley 26-0 to go to 6-1. Brantley falls to 3-4. Georgiana and Elba will be playing this upcoming Friday. And then Independent, Pike Little Arts lost 14-19 to Lighthouse PCA out of Georgia. And then AISA, Chambers Academy, defeated Abbeville 64-0. Abbeville Christian, that is, to get them at one and six on the season. So that is around the wire grass. Now I'm going to play my conversation with Ashford head coach, David Stapleton. Remember, this is just a phone conversation for people watching on YouTube my guest today on wiregrass daily news sports is ashford head coach david stapleton they're coming off a 50 to 44 homecoming win uh, over daleville on this past friday night and coach stapleton congrats on the win and i appreciate you coming on the show and uh talking to it uh, about it with us today
1: yes sir yeah phil thanks for having me again and um i, I appreciate you reaching back out and um uh, appreciate your congratulations so thanks again
0: just uh you know over the game a 50 to 44 uh game and it was a little back and forth a lot of a lot of points there obviously uh just uh you know overall your thoughts um coming away from friday night's game
1: yeah it, it was a good team win for us um you know just from the standpoint we, we haven't put up that many points all season and uh it was, we we haven't really necessarily struggled on offense. It's just been a lot of times we've gotten in the red zone and struggled to to punch it in. Or, um, you know, it wasn't even like a turnover thing. We actually had our, our first two fumbles on Friday night of the season. So um, it was just about finishing drives and, and um, you know, just finding ways to move the football and run the football effectively, which going back and looking, I think we had like 390 yards rushing. And so – you know, we did a lot of good things on that side of the ball. And thankfully, because, um, Belleville has got a heck of a quarterback and they had a good offensive game plan and they scored a bunch of points too. And, um, you know, we actually had a few kids out. One of those being, being our starting quarterback, Will Hart. And then, uh, we had to ask a sophomore to play Friday night and he did a heck of a job. So, um, we relied on some other kids to step up and, and make plays for us. And they did. And, um, so like I said, it was a good team win, and we had you know we had two starting linebackers out, we had a starting receiver out, and then like I, I said, our quarterback. So um, you know with it being homecoming too, sometimes you worry about these kids and where their where their heads at, and I'm more worried about the dance and you know those those kind of distractions. So I was just overall thankful that we got out the win, and and uh, now that we're three and four, and we got a chance to just keep rolling and and went out. So you know, and then we'll go from there.
0: You know, and, and uh, reading up and looking at, you know, what happened during the game on Friday night, that, that late fumble recovery kind of sealed the deal. Just to break that down, what happened there when you guys were able to get the get the ball back?
1: Yeah, it, you know, and, and like I said, Delville uh, had a good game plan, and, and they got a heck of a player. I think he's the best player we've seen all year um, on any team we faced. I think he's single-handedly the, the best player I've coached against since I've been in Ashford, so – um, he's a special talent, but, you know, we were up 44 to 28 with four minutes left, you know, so we're up 16 points, and, um, you know, we just couldn't put them away, and, uh, you know, then that, that's a, you know, that just goes to show how hard they fight um, at Delville, and I think uh, Coach Garner's done a good job with his kids, and I knew, and the kids knew they were going to play for four quarters, but we just couldn't put them away, and um, they scored on a reverse pass and um and they kicked an onside kick and got it that type deal and so there was like a minute i think a little over a minute left and they were actually driving and um got down inside the 10-yard line and fumbled and our kids got on it so you know um and then the week before we played slocum we had to stop slocum on a two-point conversion try to, to win that game so um you know the past two weeks have been uh some exciting games, but at the same time, I'm sitting here thinking my kids are just trying to give me a heart attack. So, you know, um, I'm proud of them, though. You know, winning doesn't come easy. Um, There's a lot that goes into it, especially with us. You know, we've won three games this season, but the past three years they'd only won four games. So we're making progress. It's just like one week at a time. You know, we're just trying to take it one game at a time. And, um, you know, I think we played some really good teams on the front end of of our schedule that's, you know, kind of helped us um, figure ourselves out. And so I, I think we're getting hot at a good time, and um, we still have a chance to make the playoffs. And like I said, we just got to take care of our, our business and, and just keep winning. So,
0: You know, you talked about Delville quarterback, or Marion Pinckney, and mm-hmm. every week I do this because I do it on the show. I go over all the scores, and I look at the stats, Who and his name's always there. His name's always there, yeah. putting up numbers. Uh, what What was the the challenge with him, like going into the game, like you knew you had to do to defend him?
1: Yeah, I, I just think a kid like that, you and you preach it to your kids all week I mean, about how good of a player he is, and you show them the film, and and the kids know about him too, and the kids respect him, and it's like you, you go into the game and you know that he's the key right like he he's the guy and he makes the engine run and that type deal and they do a good job of putting him in, in position to make those plays and you know it's coming and he still finds a way to make it happen and uh and we did some things too on defense that was that was kind of out of character for us and my thing is like it's when you got a player like that that you're playing against and you do some things that are out of character or you miss an assignment or you know, you're a force player and you're not keeping your outside arm free, that type deal. He's going to make you pay for it. Like he's, he's going to make you pay. So, you know, you've got to be sound playing a kid like that. He's, he's a special talent. I don't know, you know, who's recruiting him or if he's getting recruited or, you know, kind of what his deal is, but he's definitely a special player. One of them, one of the more special players I've seen since I've been coaching high school football. He's just a, a fun player to watch. I mean, he's a pain in the tail to coach against for sure. But, um, yeah, he, he's definitely a special talent and. uh you know, I was just glad that, that we were able to stop him enough times to get the win. So
0: Yeah, well any times you say, I'm glad we don't have to play him again. That's it for this season. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah, no, it's not fun. It ain't fun trying to play him. So
0: it's all about your quarterback. Obviously, a uh, back at quarterback getting the start. A J. Lewis had a had a big game, mm-hmm. eight yard score. They put you guys up fifty to thirty six, the final touchdown for you guys, but then he had uh, some scores there in the first half. Um on the ground and through the air, just talk about his performance coming in for the injured Will Hart.
1: Yeah, AJ, you know, and he just turned fifteen not too long ago, so he's actually one of the younger kids in his sophomore class, and he can't even drive yet. Um, you know, and he also he also plays middle linebacker for us. So he started at middle linebacker, and then he had to get to start at quarterback. And um, he's also on just about every special teams you can name. So. You know, that's kind of rare for our team because we've got a decent amount of kids out to play. So we don't play a ton of kids both ways, but he plays just about every snap. And so, um, you know, we asked a lot of him on Friday and uh, he's he's got all the ability. I, I think the whole time it's been about him just uh, believing in himself, which is, can be hard for a kid that that's, he's that young. But um his confidence has grown over the season. Like I said, he, he's been starting middle linebacker for us, and I think the more he's played, the more confidence he's gained. And uh, he just looked very comfortable and poised at quarterback on Friday. I think he had two rushing touchdowns and two passing. Um, you know, and he just did a good job of just controlling the game and and just being, like I said, he was very comfortable back there. Um, he's a really good athlete. You know, he played some running back for us earlier in the year, so he's good with his legs, and um, he's about. 205 pounds and, and about 5'10", 5'11". So when he's running at you, it it hurts, you know. So um, I'm, I'm super proud of him and, and uh, just proud of the kids that, you know, that had to step up for us. A lot of them, at one point, we, we had three backs in the backfield and all of them were sophomores. So um, we're extremely young. I think, you know, you and I talked preseason about this and uh, – you know these kids are just doing a really good job of, of growing up, and uh, they just got to learn how to finish football games. Like I said, we we needed to finish a lot better than we did. There was no reason that you know it should have been that stressful of a game, and uh, you know, and, and hats off to Delville for the fight and the want to. Um, you know, we we got to learn how to finish football games, and I don't think we've matured in that in that way yet. I think you know we're learning how to win, but learning how to finish and win I think are two different things I mean you know when you're up by 16 you need you need to finish you know you got you got to finish the game right there don't sit there and make it harder on yourself than it needs to be so we got to grow up in that aspect but overall I'm proud of our kids and and I'm always going to be proud when we win because winning's not an easy thing to do so um, you know I'm proud of them
0: uh, on the ground, you mentioned it, and I saw your tweet too that you put out about 389, 390 yards rushing on Friday night. Uh, Jay Raglan, uh, he had a big game. You know, just talk about his performance too. He had a, a few touchdowns for Friday night.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's another one of our sophomores. And he's, you know, he had to play DN and linebacker on defense. And then he had to play more running back than he's played all season. And he had over 100 yards rushing and um, had some explosive runs. I think he had one of, 40 yards I think he had one of 26 um a few touchdowns and and um he's just he's a load to to tackle too so he's a tough kid and a bruiser and um you know I think our kids are just kind of like adopting that mentality like we we've been calling it train track football is what we're saying so like when people cross the tracks they just need to know what they're coming into and it's going to be hard-nosed tough like blue collar football and you know, that's just, that's just what what we're going to be and who we're going to be. And, um, you know, I think 390 yards on the ground kind of, um, you know, is a good example of that. So, um, you know, our kids are, are buying into that uh, identity and, and I'm proud of them for that. And just, uh, you know, adopting that mindset. So, because at the end of the day, they got to be the ones to go out there and do it. I mean, we can talk about it a whole lot, but, you know, talk about it and doing it, it's two different things. But, you know, they're kind of, talking it and walking it so we just um got to keep that rolling they got to stay humble and you know we're we're thankful to have the win going into a bye week um you know so we got a bye week and then we play new brockton so we got a couple kids that we got to get healthy and um like i said just take it one week at a time and um you know we'll, we'll see what the playoff picture looks like when we're done so
0: yeah, you, you mentioned that you're going into the off week, and then you got New Brockley coming up. And just uh, w- w- what will the off week look like for you guys?
1: Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a little lighter of a week. It's it's, it's kind of different for me. It's a different situation than I've ever been in. It's it's our fall break. You know, I talked to you about that before our interview started, and you know, it's also our bye week. So. um we're going to get the kids in a few days and we're going to practice and we're going to watch film and do what we do. Uh, we're going to move our practices to the morning time and, uh, instead of using it in the afternoon, just to give kids that time off, and you know, just understanding that they need that break too. I think, you know, even for our coaches, we've, we've met for eight weeks in a row on Sunday and we didn't meet today, you know, so I just think it's a good week for everybody mentally to get back right. And, um, you know, and then for our kids, mentally and physically, because, I mean, you talk about fall camp and then going seven straight weeks of football, and that's a lot of um, banging around and hitting and bumps and bruises and just things we got We got to get fixed. I mean, we got, you know, like I said, we got two linebackers that are out, and both of them with shoulders and a receiver with an ankle and a partial tear in his knee and just things like that. that. It's just part of football and part of playing, but they just got to – get through this week and, and rest and hydrate, eat, sleep, all those things to be ready to go for New Brockton and which is another region game that we need to have. It's gonna be our last home game and senior night. So, you know, we're gonna to wanna to send them off the right way. And um we just still have a lot that we're playing for. So this this week was big. It was big that we came in and this week with a win. And um you know, I'm I'm just thankful that we're uh we're at this
0: point, I feel good about where our team's at. Yeah, you know, because I, I mean, keeping up with you guys, keeping up, you know, like I do, keeping up all the teams of Wiregrass, you won two in a row, and then I know, you know, more victories, you know, you're not there for it. But the 13-17 to 17 loss is strong. I mean, that's the team at the top of the, the region right now. So you guys have been doing some really good things these last couple of weeks, and you talk about New Brockton. uh Have you watched film on them yet, and uh, uh, what kind of stands out with that team?
1: Yeah, um, a couple of the teams we played, played New Brockton, so we've seen them, you know, when you're sharing film and you you get film on somebody you might be playing or whatever, but that film came from, you know, someone that already played another team. And so we've, we've watched film on them, and, um, you know, our region is just kind of wild. Like, I mean, New Brockton beat off, and, and uh, you know, and but uh, it's just one of those things, like, you can't, you can't take anyone light in our region at all, um, regardless of record or anything like that. You know, they've gotten better. Um, I know New Brockton's got numbers and they got athletes on their team and, um, they're a program that's, that's growing and getting better. And so I know they're, they're going to play tough and they're going to play four quarters. And, um, you know, I know they played Pike County tough. I think it was 14 to 14 at halftime of that game. And, um, you know, so they've got grit and fight and, and, um, they got enough players that could hurt you too. So, um, their head coach is doing a good job. Uh, you know, I know they went 0 and 10 last year. And so he's having to kind of do, um, something similar to what we're doing in terms of rebuilding. And, uh, I know, it, I know it's not easy. Um, you know, so like I said, we, we got major respect for them. Um, and respect for really anybody in our region. Like I said, I don't think there's anybody in our – there's nobody in our region you can you can look at and say that's that's a win or that's a – you know, scratch it off. I mean, I, there's just not. I think if I'm being real, there's probably some regions regions in the state where you can look at a couple teams and you might say, well, you know, we definitely should have this one this week. Well, you can't think like that in our 3A region too. You just can't. So, um, you know, like we gave Strone, um our best you know, and just Strong's a really, really good football team. And we had major respect for them and, um, we fought them to the wire. You know, we, we actually got back healthy that game. And the week before we were not against HA and, um, you know, so like I said, I don't think you can't write anybody off off our region. I think that includes us. And so, um, I think it's a good thing. I think it's good how competitive we are. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just looking forward to playing them. So, uh, you know, one of the former head coaches I worked for used to coach there, and and uh, so kind of familiar with the with the area, or whatever. You know, so I'll be looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, it should be a it should be a fun one, and uh, look forward to. The rest of the season for you guys i think you uh, i think asher you, you got in playing really well uh these last few weeks i know you're looking forward to the off week i know at this point in the season if you get it this late season it's probably a good thing uh when you get that off week and kind of get healed up and get healthy but uh coach i appreciate you taking the time and coming on the show and uh, i hope we can uh we can chat again sometime
1: yes sir yeah philip you can call me anytime and and uh i'll love to talk to you so i appreciate what you do and and appreciate you covering
0: us. All right, once again, thanks to Coach Stapleton for coming on the show. I really think there's a great opportunity for Ashford to make a run at the playoffs. You you got the off week this week, you got New Broughton this week, you got Northside Methodist coming up, and then you got Op. Those teams are, are very similar. So I think I think there's a great opportunity for Ashford to potentially make a run at the postseason here in your one under Coach Stapleton. Well, we're going to transition into college football now. I told you guys off the top from now on coming on the show, I'll have a little bit of help to go over some of these games from the weekend. And that is a good friend of mine. Uh, We've been doing pods together for a long time. Uh, That is Brandon Eisman. He covers college football, uh, SoFlo Bulls with South Florida. And uh, he's had other experience covering Arkansas LSU. He did a Florida podcast one time. This guy's been all over the map when it comes to different teams. Court covered Florida State. Uh so he's gonna be joining me on these uh Monday episodes now. And uh yeah, here he is. Uh Brandon Eisman. Uh if you watch on YouTube on video, you see him there. Uh Brandon was on the show a few weeks ago when we were still once a week, uh recapping Alabama, South Florida. But Brandon, man, uh, how was how was the weekend and uh Uh, Welcome in now, being kind of like my full-time college football partner here on the Monday editions of Wiregrass Daily News Sports.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Phil, I'm glad to be doing this with you every week. It's always a good time when me and you get together and get to talk ball. Uh, The weekend was great. Um, I went out of town, went to Jacksonville for my dad's birthday weekend, went and played some golf. Uh, We're not going to talk about how I did yesterday on Saturday. Um, But other than that, football was good. It was good to get, you know, out of Dothan for a day or two. Um, but obviously I'm back home now and back to reality. But, um, yeah, man, I'm glad to be here with you.
0: Question Did you hit the golf ball better than the Braves hit the baseball
2: on Saturday night? Um, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I take that back partially, <laughs> I probably did.
0: Yeah, right. we will we will get into the Atlanta Braves kind of like t- toward the end because uh, that's something we do here. We're going to talk about this is Wiregrass in Sports. Uh, maybe Brave fans do not want me to bring uh, Game One up, but uh, we will we will do that here. Um, and you know, kind of like what we do here, we're going to talk about the the main teams we cover first: the in-state teams and Florida State. Auburn did not play, um, so Auburn was uh, did not lose over the weekend. Uh, no, uh, no lack of offense on this past weekend. But uh, I think we'll start with Alabama and Texas a I think that's kind of like a good jumping off point. And uh, Alabama wins this in 26-20. Look, I think Texas A&M was very improved this year compared to what they were last year. Uh, this is their second loss, so that kind of knocks them out a lot of things. But Alabama did what they ought to win 26-20. Alabama's got clean up the oh, turno- uh, not the turnovers. They got clean up the penalties, man. Fourteen penalties, nine pre-snap penalties. Oh, uh, you know, Nate Saban was not happy. Um, you know, me, like I said, you were on after the South Florida game when Alabama, you know, struggled seventeen to three with that game. I think Alabama has kind of found their identity since that, and obviously with Jalen Milroe quarterback.
2: Yeah, yeah, I-, I think they have. It's taken, you know, I think a little bit longer into the season than, you know, the Bama fans and obviously the players and the coaching staff would you know would have liked it to. But going into this game, and I'll just be flat out and say it, man, I didn't have Bama winning 26-20. I had AM winning by at least two touchdowns. Don't ask me why. I just I, – I was rolling with it. I was thinking A&M's going to come out. They're going to be the better team. Alabama, as we know, you know, they've struggled – at various times throughout the season so far. But Babel was able to get it done. But like you said, Philip, they've got to clean up the penalties, especially the pre-snap penalties. Uh, penalties. I mean, when when they're playing teams like Tennessee and LSU and Auburn later in the season, they're definitely going to have to have that cleaned up by them.
0: Yeah, it's really been an issue for them, It's the last few years. Now, Jay Lomero had a really good game, 21-33, 321, three touchdowns. He had one interception. We'll talk about it in a second. He was sacked five times in the first half, uh, six times overall. But we also got to look at this a defense. Man, last week against Arkansas, seven sacks. The week before against Auburn, seven sacks. Fifteen tackles for loss last week, too, also against Arkansas. So, I mean, this is, if not the best, one of the best defensive fronts in the SEC. So, I mean, they're going to get pressure. Alabama did not run the ball well at all. This game. So it was on Mill Rowan. Man, how about Jermaine Burton? Nine catches, 197 yards, and two touchdowns. But here, here to me, was a big moment in the game that turned it. Open up the second half. Alabama down 17 to 10. I'm sure Alabama fans were worried because, oh man, two losses are coming. No national title. This is probably the earliest since the first year was saving half, would have two losses. But so they go down the field. They're moving the ball. 11 06 left in the third, down 10 17, as I said. Milrow throws an interception, and you're like, oh, no. a has got it. They had momentum going into halftime. They could go up two touchdowns here, and Alabama, what they're going to do because things were not looking good. The pass rush was getting a Milrow. It just, there were some struggles for Alabama. But then Alabama comes back. They intercept Max Johnson, Caleb Downs. Alabama's a tie it. They end up getting the lead. You know what happened. Man, if that if Alabama doesn't get that interception with Caleb Downs and A&M goes and goes up 24 to 10, it may turn out the way you thought it was. Would it, uh, would two score win by A&M?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely um, a key turning point for both teams um, from both perspectives. You know, like you said, for Bama, you know, that kind of gave them that momentum shift that they needed obviously to go score and then, you know, end up with the win. And then for A&M, you know, it kind of, killed their momentum a little bit because you're up at halftime on a team that if you beat them in this game, you give Bama their second loss in you know, as early as it's been for a season in Nick Saban's tenure there. Um, so there was a lot at stake there. It wasn't just, you know, beating, you know, I guess you could call it a rivalry game uh, between Bama and A&M. It's not just beating, you know, a conference opponent. It's there's a lot more to it. Um, and, you know, those interceptions definitely, you know, play a part um, in a win or a loss. But for Bama's sake, it, it helped them out a lot.
0: Yeah, it did. It did. So, we'll see. They got Arkansas. That meant Arkansas is looking bad right now. I mean, they cannot protect. Uh, they lose to Ole Miss on Saturday night. Um, they cannot, like I said, they cannot protect KJ Jerks. They can't run the ball. Rocket Sanders has been back. So, Matt. And it's an eleven o'clock game. I think Alabama's about to get another win, and man, I, we're kind of jumping the in in line, you know, the order that we were going to do things here. But I think Arkansas is looking at loss number five in a row.
2: Yeah, yeah, I I'm in full agreement with that. There, you know, I kind of had I'm not going to say high hopes for Arkansas, but you know, I thought they could have been like a, a nine and three team somewhere around that mark, but. Definitely not. (laughs) Um, They're just, they're not good. And Mm -mm. they're about to run into an Alabama team that has even more momentum than they did, you know, a week or two ago, now that they've finally found their identity, or at least it seems like they have. Um, So if you're an Arkansas fan, you have to feel for what lies (laughs) ahead.
0: Yeah. And I wonder, I think Sam Pittman's done a good good job there uh the first couple of years, his second year they had the nine win season, but then last year didn't go the way they probably expected. Um and then this year's the way it's going, I just kinda wonder the heat would would he be a candidate to lose his job. It's it's gonna be interesting. Be two and five if they lose this one, like we're saying. Now Troy. Now we're not gonna go along with this, but Troy dominated Arkansas State. 37 to 3. Look, we all know the recipe for Troy winner, right? Kamani Vidal gets 50 plus yards. They're now 20 and 3. Man, he had 245 yards. Feed him the ball. That's the best part of your offense. Three touchdowns. Gunnar Watson, I think he's been playing a lot better the last few weeks. Uh, 12 for 21, 236, one touchdown. No interceptions for Gunnar Watson this week. Always, always a good step in the right direction. And Detroit defense was dominant. Five overall sacks. Devon Solomon had two sacks overall, and then the team had nine tackle for losses. Uh, I think Troy is kind of figuring some stuff out now. They started one and two once again. They got a couple wins in a row now. Now they will go and play Army on the road this Saturday, so out of Sunbelt. But Troy looks like they've kind of figured things out and kind of settled in to what they are.
2: Yeah, yeah, they certainly have. And, you know, Arkansas State, I think, is a better team than what their record says they are. I mean, look, I know they got blown out in the opener, 73 nothing, you know, at Oklahoma. But Troy's looked better over the last couple of weeks. And going into that game, I thought Arkansas State probably could have given Troy a run for their money when Troy was on offense, but Kamani Vidal um, would like to think otherwise, as he completely destroyed their defense with over 200 rushing yards. Look, when, when Watson and Vidal are both on top of their game, it seems like Troy just cannot be stopped on that side of the ball.
0: No, and, and then when you add in what they are defensively, I mean, everybody was wondering what they're going to be without Carlton Marshall. They're still one of the better defenses out there. And no receiver is, a, I think, an, un, an underlooked position they have right now. Deshaun Stoudemire was the go-to guy this Saturday. But, man, Chris Lewis, I mean, throw it in his direction. He will go and get it one-handed probably. And then Jabri Barber has played really well for them. He was playing well last year before he got hurt. So, Troy's got a solid receiving core there, too, as well. It doesn't get a lot of attention.
2: Yeah, yeah, certainly. Troy has playmakers and a ton of depth um, at receiver. And, you know, it's kind of being over shadowed by Vidal and Watson, and then the defense as well. But wide receiver is definitely a position of strength for Troy, and it's continuing to show every week.
0: Um They play Army. That's going to be tough. That was a tough game last year, playing them the physical. They play a brand that you don't see. I mean, at least used to it at some about You kind of were used to it playing Georgia Southern, but now with Helton there, they throw it all over the place now, so you're not playing that style against Georgia Southern anymore. Uh, but they'll be playing Army this Saturday. Florida State. And so they beat Virginia Tech 39-17. And I had Jeff Colhane on last week. And he talked about this could be a close game. It was the start of the second half. It was 22-17. Florida State pulled away. Here's the only thing for me that's a takeaway for Florida State. The run game had not been where I think it needed to be. And a lot of people talk about this. Going into this game. Trey Benson had 200 yards rushing and two touchdowns. It was a solid game for Jordan Travis, 18-24, 172 touchdowns, zero zero interceptions. Not really having a lot asked of him in this game, but Florida State getting that running game going was big. But you know what? And Mike Norville talked about this when they went into their off week. They're undefeated. They are yet to play a complete game from first quarter through through the fourth quarter. They have yet to do that, but still they're 5-0.
2: Yeah, I mean, sure, they're undefeated, and their you know their record and their ranking is going to obviously reflect that. But like you said, Florida State hasn't played a complete game from start to finish. If you go back to the Clemson game, they had to go to overtime. They were down by a touchdown or two, I believe, um, in that game at one point in time. And then the Boston College game where they barely won, and then only being up twenty-two to seventeen on Virginia Tech. I mean, if they keep you know, letting these conference opponents, you know, kind of stay in the game with them, but could hurt them somewhere from now till the end of the season. Um, so they're going to have to start playing, you know, full 60 minute games from start to finish and try to find their identity as to where everybody, the team, or yeah, be the team that everybody thought they were going to be going into the season. Because I don't, aside from the LSU game, I don't think we've really seen that yet.
0: Yeah, mm-mm. and even you know, even that game LSU outplayed them in the first half. LSU just missed some opportunities to put points on the board in the red zone, but LSU outplayed them early. Um, I mean, which nobody has stopped LSU offense this year. Uh, actually, Florida State's the closest team to stopping them, if you want to be fair. So, uh, rest of college football, and I want to say this before we jump to SEC. Brandon, I think the biggest loser on Saturday was Miami, without a doubt. But I, I guess it is because you transition from Florida State to Miami, one of their biggest rivals. What are you doing, Mario Cristobal? I mean, take if they take a knee, they win that game. And now you got a loss to Georgia Tech, and it kind of makes you think, okay, did Miami just revert back to last year's team? Uh, Tyler Van Dyke had, what, three turnovers in the game? Um, I don't know. It's just a complete meltdown. I mean, that's one of the most boneheaded decisions I've seen a coach make. And there's got to be somebody upstairs saying, take a knee, coach, take a knee. But that didn't happen. I think, I think you know, before we jump to the rest of this, I just think Miami is my biggest loser of the weekend.
2: Yeah, I would agree. Um, That is one of the biggest mistakes any team could have made, regardless of if it's Miami, Alabama, whoever the case may be. But for Miami's sake, you you got to take the knee. You can't lose – To a Georgia Tech team that I think coming in, they were 2-4, and I think. And they lost to Bowling Green, I believe, a week or two before this game against Miami. So there's no reason, number one, that Georgia Tech should have been in this game. And number two, Miami should not have lost. But ultimately, they did. I don't think they're back. I don't think they were... Look, I mean, obviously they were they maybe they might have been, you know, trending towards that point, but we all knew at some point they were gonna slip up and have something like this just out of nowhere happen.
0: Yeah, you talk about teams being back. And I think a lot of people are gonna look at what happened between Oklahoma and Texas yesterday. Uh on Saturday. Uh that okay, Texas is not bad. I think Oklahoma's good. I think that's number one. Texas turned the ball over. Quinn Ewers had that interception on the opening possession. That was his fault. Didn't see the guy. He threw it to the wrong guy. Both two receivers running slants. He should have went the other direction with it. The other interception, tip pass. Now, he did have a fumble in there, too. And then they had an opportunity on the one. They couldn't get in. It's like a half. I feel like these two teams are going to play again. I think these are the best two teams in the Big 12. Uh, of course, these are two future SEC teams. Um. I look at it this way, and a lot of people say, "Well, Texas is out of the playoff hunt too." So, no, if you beat Oklahoma in the Big Twelve championship game, you pretty much eliminate that loss from earlier. Because then you say, "Hey, we beat everybody we played." But that's one there. I think we look at Texas and we look at Miami as two different deals. Um, w- what about you? Are, are you off the Texas thing now, or are you kind of like with me, like, okay, they had a bad performance, they barely lost, they're probably going to see Oklahoma again.
2: Yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you. I think Oklahoma and Texas are clear-cut the two best teams in the Big 12. And since they don't have divisions, the top two teams at the conference play in you know, the conference championship. So I think it'll be Texas and Oklahoma in that conference championship game. And if Texas does win, um, you know, they could, they could pave their way back to the playoff. But also looking at it from a different standpoint, what if Oklahoma falls off the rails and loses two games before then? Or three games, and then that you know that rebound win for Texas, that revenge win, won't look as good. Could that keep them out, even if they go do finish eleven and one, and then twelve to one with a Big Twelve title win over the team that beat them?
0: I think a lot of that just depends on what else goes on around the country. um But if if it's it's a one of them deals where you got a big it may turn into okay, you got lost by four. You may need to be and win by like 10 or 14 or something like that. Be impressive uh, with the way you do it. Uh, Tina wasn't impressive with Kentucky. And he- here's an issue I have. I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this Georgia-Kentucky game. Georgia dominated. I mean, Georgia flexed their muscle. They're the number one team in the country. They showed why on Saturday night. But I'm tired of Georgia and Kentucky being treated like this big national game that it should be. Kentucky never plays well against Georgia. Kentucky has hit their ceiling. They can get to nine or ten wins, but that's as best that's the best they're going to do. They're never going to beat Georgia as they're, you know, constructed right now. They're never going to get past that. But every year, especially when Kentucky starts off good like they did this year, we're ready to anoint this team. Okay, this could be the year they beat Georgia and then they get beat 51 to 13. They shot themselves in the foot multiple times. With penalties, uh, the defense could not stop Georgia. Carson Beck was on his game on on this evening. He was twenty eight to thirty five for three hundred eighty nine yards and four touchdowns. Brock Bowers once again was the man. Seven catches, one thirty two, one touchdown. Get that man in Heisman consideration. But it's just it, I, I, Kentucky's good, but they're just not on the same playing field as Georgia.
2: Yeah, definitely not. But um. Phillip, I know you just said you're tired of you know people hyping up Kentucky and Georgia every year, but I, I kind of see it from both both sides here. So if you look at Kentucky's schedule prior to the Georgia game, the only decent team they played was Florida, and if that's their marquee win of the season so far to go in and you know play Georgia and be competitive, that's that. That's something they they need better competition, but also at the same time I see it as what Mark Stoops is continuing to build in Lexington is eventually going to get Kentucky over the hump and beat Georgia, win the East, get to at least get to Atlanta. Now, also I know you said that Kentucky's ceiling is like nine or ten wins. If they can get back on track immediately. They might finish with eleven wins. I doubt it because they still got to play Missouri and Tennessee. But I'm just saying the possibility is still there. But them get beating Georgia and you know taking control of the East for once. Um, it's still obviously not going to happen. Georgia's just too good. Brock Bowers is unstoppable. Carson Beck is a better quarterback than I thought he was, and. It's like every week that I watch Georgia play, they just get better and better when two or three weeks ago, I was telling people that Georgia's not really all that good looking, but here we are. They're still undefeated.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Uh, They have Vanderbilt this Saturday, so Kate Walk week uh, for Georgia. Uh, Two more things, and we're going to get out of here for today. Um, LSU and Missouri. I went into this game, uh, me and Matt Lowe predicted that this was going to be a high-scoring game, kind of like the LSU Ole Miss game. It's proven that LSU can't stop anybody. Um, there's no excuse for it, in my opinion. I, I think LSU's got too many good defensive players. I thought the secondary was an issue coming into the year, but they got too many good players on their front seven to be this bad defensively. But, man, Jaden Daniels, this man should be in the Heisman conversation. He has, He put on a Superman cape saturday he, he did against old miss it's just lsu's defense is their kryptonite jay daniel should be a highsman man They scored 17 points in the fourth quarter man he got hurt at one point in this game comes back in just just does all he needs to do i mean here, here's what he did in the fourth quarter uh he had a 35 yard run uh to get him within uh to take put him up 35 to 32 then Missouri goes back up, and then he finds Malik Neighbors for 29 yards. And then, of course, we know Major Burns capped it off with the pick six. And look, Brady Cook could not throw an interception for this game since last year against Vanderbilt in mid October. Just saying. So good performance, at least one defensive player, man. A play. Your thoughts on LSU, man? I know this a team you've covered in the past. I think Jaden Daniels should be up for the Heisman. I still think they can press Alabama because their offense is just so good at what they have at receiver. But Man, the defense is just letting them down.
2: You know, Philip. look, everybody knows I'm a lifelong LSU fan. And, yes, the win is good. It's good for Brian Kelly and the program to, you know, finally get back on track. But at the same time, the defense is still atrocious. I, I get it. I get it. I really do. Missouri – was ranked, they could put up points. That's fine. Same thing, the past week with Ole Miss. They're ranked, you know they're gonna put up points, but you don't give up seven hundred yards. There's no way that should happen. I think, I think you're right, Philip. LSU's offense is a lot of fun to watch, but this team is being held back by the defense. They've yeah, already had, what two or three losses? Three. They're, um, they're at two right now. Yeah. Well, I'm sure the third one's coming the first weekend of November. <laughs> but, I listen, going into the year, I thought LSU was going to be something special. I thought they were going to repeat and win the West. But it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. And if, if the defense doesn't turn it around very quickly, Matt House is out the door either before the regular season is over or right after. I think LSU has to make changes on that defensive side of the ball on that staff um but the offense is playing fine Jaden Daniels is is a very very solid quarterback that yeah should be in the Heisman conversation but with a team like this when you've already got two losses and we're not even in the you know the middle of October this it's just not gonna be a reality for him this year
0: yeah and yeah, I would have told Matt house I'm like you can walk from Missouri uh, yeah, Baton Rouge? But, just, just uh, leave
2: them on the tarmac like USC did with Lincoln.
0: The good thing is for LSU's defense, they're going up against Auburn this Saturday, and Auburn's offense has been a struggle all year. So it's going to be uh, weakness versus weakness in that standpoint, which I think LSU should uh, capitalize on that. Lastly, guys, we're not just a football show here. We will talk about the Atlanta Braves, and the playoffs are here NLDS, they played the Phillies and the Braves lose three to zero. There was more than one inning where they left players in scoring position. Man, this was the best offense in baseball. I mean, no one hit home runs like this team. I mean, all the stars. Man, they get beat three to nothing. I mean, it. This game was not. It was not good for Atlanta, and I think it's got a lot of Atlanta fans just like. Not upset, but, like, scratching their head. Like, is this going to be, like, a reverse from the past with this team? Being great in regular season, but then falling apart? I say, you know, we record – this is a Monday morning podcast. Tonight at 5 o'clock Central Time, they play game two. They've got to win game two. They cannot go back to Philadelphia down though too.
2: No, definitely not. And, look, growing up, you know, in Southeast Alabama, obviously the Braves are, like, are You know, home team here. And it really does seem like you had the best team in baseball all throughout the regular season just to put up that type of performance against the Phillies. But on the other side of that, the Phillies were in the World Series last year. So before, you know, all the Braves fans are like, yeah, you know, the team's not playing that great. This is a Phillies team that won the National League last year. Made it all the way to the World Series. So I think the Braves will get it together, but the Phillies in the postseason is probably going to be the Braves' kryptonite the rest of the way. If they can get past the Phillies, though, I think they'll go to the World Series. But you're not going to do it leaving runners on base and losing three nothing like that.
0: Yeah, Ronald could have had no hits. Um, Albies had, he had one hit. Um, but nothing else here. Azuna, zero hits. So I mean, you got like a lot of their stars. Pilar, zero hits. I mean, you, you got to you, like I said, you got to do better now. Especially, you know, like again, I said, this is a team what they did in regular season. Um, I mean, you expecting them to like just go bombs away. No, it's the playoffs, yeah. and you know, pitching is where it's at. But still, and this game was one to nothing for most of the game. Uh, the Phillies got. Those last two runs on the back half of the game. So we'll see, we'll see what the Braves do. Um, this is a uh, this has been fun. Uh, we're going to close it up here, Brendan. Uh, we'll, we'll do this every week. Uh, where do you tell people where to find you? But uh, where can people find you and all the work you're doing?
2: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at HeismanEisman. Um, you can also find me over at SouthFloridaBulls.com, covering the South Florida Bulls. Which honestly, Philip, I'm really glad. You didn't bring up the uab usf game um from this past weekend because that was atrocious um but yeah you can find me there and over at the sixth year podcast um i would say every week on facebook live but it's been like a whole month and a half since i've done one so i'm not even going to say that it's every week it's just every once in a while um you can find me there
0: all right guys and you can find me on social media p jordan sec Podcast available at com. Wherever you get your podcast from Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review. Leave a review. I will read it on a future edition of the show. And if you leave just four stars, you are a straight up hater. And you can also email me at sports.fieldjordan at gmail.com. Be back Wednesday. Uh, we're going to have some fun on Wednesday. But until next time, bye bye. Thank you for tuning in to today's Wiregrass Daily News Sports.
1: Make sure to tune back in tomorrow for more of the sports you love in the Wiregrass. Check out the podcast at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Continue the conversation and connect with Philip on
0: social media at PJordanSEC.